I want to introduce to you somebody this morning. You guys may have uh, met him before. Some of you may have never met him before. Um, anybody know Monica Long, our children's minister's wife? All right, good. A few people know you, Monty. And she got her hair did, and so she looks a little different this morning. But don't, don't let the disguise fool you, all right? She, she's still Monty, and uh, we're so thankful. Monty and Bryson have been here a good long time with us at First Baptist Walnut Ridge. Uh, but Monica Long's dad, Chuck Gray, is going to come and share with you this morning what God has done in his life, what God's still doing in his life. But uh, the, the way that the Lord Jesus has been changing and transforming him is incredible. And uh, so I want you guys, if you would, to welcome Chuck Gray as he comes. He's nervous, but the Lord's going to use him this morning and speak through him. So would you guys welcome uh, Chuck Gray as he shares with us this morning. Hello everyone, as he said, my name is Chuck Gray and I have, I have been through a lot of changes just within this past week, week and a half. The Lord has really been working in my life. Excuse me, I've had a little bit of a cold if I lose my voice at times. I got to stop up here. Hi John, how are you and Lisa? The only way I know how to do this and I'm going, to read, I'm going to try to read you something. I was going to grab my reading glasses. I might have to borrow John's back there because we're the same age. I'm telling you how old we are. I've been so worried about, I've prayed so hard for the past week about what I was going to say, how I was going to go about this testimony that I'm about to give to you. And Brother Jake sent me a text yesterday and it uh, it really comforted me quite quite a lot but I'm still as he said I haven't I've never been in front of the church here I am nearly 62 years old and I've ignored God most of my life most all of my life even though he was working hard and I'll show you or I will tell you here in a minute how I know this what I'm doing today, given my testimony, in Matthew 19, uh, 10, 19, 20, it says, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. That helped me quite a lot. You know, I'm going to do my best to say what I have to say, and I'm going to tell some terrible stuff on myself because I feel that that's what God wants me to do in order for you to realize how I know, how I've accepted the fact, finally, that there is. Jesus is alive, that there is a God, there is a Savior. So I'm going to start back in the darkest, the darkest time of my life. Back when I thought I wanted to be a country music star. 
you know, I released a couple of records that were going up the charts. I thought this is the greatest thing in the world. I was on the radio things. A lot of you that might remember, that, like I said, this has been years ago. This is not recent. It's been many years ago. So I formed a band and we began to travel. I played six nights a week in bars, nightclubs and bars, the most sinful places you could ever, you could ever be in. All just surrounded by sin, six nights a week. And on my night off, which was on a Monday, yes, God forgive me, but I did play music in a bar on a Sunday nights. Every Sunday I was in a bar. I wasn't in church where I should have been. And I'm not, I'm not proud of my past. I'm not proud at all because when I first started out, I kept myself pretty clean. You know, I, I, the rest of the guys were doing their thing and they would always make sure whenever they got off the bus that they laid me out some drugs, you know, and and uh, Chuck there, we've, we've laid you out of some drugs. Man, we'll do that. We'll, we'll have a great show. You're, it'll make you feel great. I don't need that. You guys, that's not what I'm here for. And I figured out after a while why while, while they were laying those drugs out for me. They knew I wasn't going to do those drugs after so long. They would end up splitting them between themselves. Because it was already laid out, hey, we'll split that. Chuck's not going to do it. He's already off the bus. I had no desire. Well, I have sadly been through three marriages in my life. I went through some really hard times. Uh, life got life got pretty hard on me when I was playing music and. And uh, there's no excuse for what I did, but I finally, we had played, we got to where we were sometimes playing a show in the morning at the river, a private party, then that night we had to be in Memphis, and this happened to be one of those days, and I was completely worn out because we had played the night before, and, and all the guys in the band had went into a restroom of, of my bass player, and they had they had laid me out some drugs, you know, and they told me where they were, and they said, if you'll just go in there and do that, you'll be surprised what a great show we'll be able to put on. You'll really be surprised at how good this will be. We'll be we will be fabulous in Memphis. We'll probably get a record deal, you know. I was, I was like I said, I was so tired. There is no excuse for it, but I but I did. I went ahead and I did those drugs. And I was given a false, a false sense of security through the drugs. I was given what they call a high, as you all, a lot of you know. I, uh, I continued to do drugs. I continued to drink alcohol. I began drinking alcohol. The longer I played music, the worse it got. I made sure when I booked our shows, the guys would always tell me to be sure that you make, make sure that they include our drinks. 
you know, whenever we, whenever you book our show along with our pace so that we can have free drinks. So I'd always be sure that we did, that I did that. Most of them drank beer, but you know what? I started drinking that good stuff. I started drinking that crown and seven, that crown royal, man, because in my mind, the more I was drinking, the more money I was making, right? Crazy. Plum ridiculous how, how my mind got twisted while I was out there. Every night, I would sit in my truck before I got out or the bus. If I played local, I was in my truck. If I was, we played over, I might have told you already that we played over, over five states. But if I was close, closer to home, I would sit in my truck before I went into play. And yes, my granddaughter's sitting there hearing all this, and you need to listen. I would sit in my truck and I would, I would place, I don't know why, I don't, I don't have a clue why it had to be 10, but I would put five blue Valium, ten, or five, excuse me, 10 blue Valium, and a blue Valium is 10 milligrams each. I would place them in my left front shirt pocket before I went into play. It had to be 10, I don't know why. I have no clue still today why. I usually played from nine to one, played a four hour night, either nine to one or if I played over in Paragool, I played from 11 to 4 a.m. So let's just say, I'm just gonna say for a four hour period. Now this is six nights a week I was doing this. I, uh, I got to where I, well, I, I feel an urge to tell, I wasn't going to tell this part of it, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you how I know how much I was drinking, how God showed me one night how much I was drinking and what all I was doing. One night my bass player came to me and we had these big scoops that had handles and wheels big bottoms, big speakers, you know, where we could get a lot of, a lot of bottom out of those speakers and, and, and people could really hear them. And we stood those up every night and we put the ASP2s, the other speakers up on top of them. We played this way all the time. But this one particular night, the bass player came up to me and he said, Chuck, he said, how about laying those scoops down on their side tonight? And how about setting the SP2s on top of the scoops? while they're on their side to see if we can get a little bit different sound. I said, that'd be fine. If that's what you want to try, we'll try that. So he did. And I was the only one, as I said, the other guys drank beer, but I was the only one drinking out of a glass. The waitress and the barmaid Let's just say they were both close friends of mine. Another sin that I must confess. I did things that I shouldn't have done. I went through many relationships that were ungodly. And without God, you know, it, it, it's not gonna, it, it just shouldn't be. It's a sin. It's a flat out sin. I did this 
but they both were, and they knew about each other. You know, like I said, this, this was a whole world of sin that I was living in, terrible sin. I would be on a stage singing, and the waitress would walk by and look at me, and I would shake my head, yeah, time for another one. Well, the glasses were like this tall, so big around. And I was getting, I don't know if any of you are familiar with bars where they have the little uh, dispenser where they have like seven up on one button and Pepsi on another and Coke and you know how they do. Well, whenever the barmaid made my drink, I would get this much seven up. The rest was straight whiskey, Crown Royal. One, the night that my bass player asked if we could set the scoop on its side, and I said, that'd be fine. I had no idea that this was God working right there in that bar. This has been, what, mom, 25 years ago? It might have been 30. You know, as you get older, you say 25 and it might have been 40. That just happens. I don't know why. But at the end of the night, I was standing on that stage in the stage lights. And I was rolling up the cords, getting ready to put them in the bag. And I just happened to, because the speaker was on its side, let me back up, because that speaker was laying on its side, the waitress didn't see the glasses and I wasn't deliberately leaning over and I just set my glasses along the back side of that speaker set laying on the stage and I knew they were mine because no one else was drinking out of the glass like I told you earlier a couple of times so I looked over in the stage light and I began to count the glasses they were lined up. And as I said, I told you how strong they were. I counted 18 glasses lined up behind that speaker laying on the floor. At that time, I knew I'd been out in the parking lot on break smoking things I shouldn't be smoking. Frying my brain, I, I felt in my left front shirt pocket and sure enough, there wasn't one volume in there. I went six nights a week, taking a hundred milligram of Valium in a four hour period, along with 18 strong whiskey drinks, along with the other things that I was doing outside the bar. And like I said, I'm ashamed of this, but I had to tell you this in order to tell you this. I look back. I look back and I see so plainly now that, you know what? God was there. Jesus was there taking care of me, even though I was in that deep of sin. Jesus Christ was right there by my side. I never OD'd. How is that possible? How is that possible? There is no other way that I could have kept from OD'ing unless the Lord Jesus Christ seen that I was taken care of.
There were nights that I would come home when I was playing close enough and I would wonder, my sister can tell you, I would wonder the next day how I even got there. How did I even get here? God watched over me even though I was sinning, y'all. How is that? How can, how can his love be so strong? He must have had a plan, right? He had to have had a plan. I come home many nights. I didn't have a home of my own at the time. I didn't feel like I needed one. I was always gone all night. I was like a vampire. I slept during the day. So I was staying at my mother's house. I don't know, I, I know now by looking back, I can tell you some things that I know now. I don't know if my mom was a light sleeper. I don't think that was the case. But I know this much. I know that every time I would come into that house, it wouldn't be no time to my mom or to walk into that room just to see that I'd made it home safe. And mom, I've asked Jesus to forgive me for those things. And I would appreciate your forgiveness too for that. Time went by. Time went by, and I, I didn't know how to pray, or at least I felt like I didn't. I never prayed to God. I never, I never, I never prayed to Jesus. I, did, I just didn't know how. I wanted to. All, all of a sudden, I started getting the yearning. I really didn't pray, I don't think, for what I received. I wanted to call it at the time a deep want. I wanted so bad. I was so sick of the lifestyle that I was living, and I wanted so badly to get out of that lifestyle and to get away from it that I started wanting so bad. I had this desire. If I could just find me a little place over across the river, maybe around Lake Charles somewhere, maybe where there's deer, you know, to look out the window at. Maybe, maybe if I could find something like that, that then, you know, I could get away from this and I could break these chains, you know, I, I could make, I could, if, I'm going to have to get away from this stuff. I'm going to have to get out of here. I've got to do something. Well, the opportunity came through a friend of mine. Some of you may know Jim Fowler, passed away a few years ago, a great friend of mine. It was through Jim that I learned of a, of a home that was available and this home wasn't right around Lake Charles, but it's close enough. It was up in Smithville. And now, you know, it's funny how I didn't know at the time that it was God doing all these things in my life. I had no idea. But now I can go back. I can look back. 
And I can see every piece of God's puzzle that got me to where I am today. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for it. Because God placed me there. You see, where I live is, is on the end of a dead-end road in Smithville. And I've got deer, not only can I just look at and occasionally see deer, I've got deer and turkey in the yard all the time. What a blessing, you know. And I didn't even pray for it, but see how good Jesus is again. <clears throat> excuse me, like I said, I've had a cold. See how good he is again. I've lived alone. I've lived in solitude for years now. So being up here in front of you, that's even a little bit harder on me, I guess you can imagine. I live alone. God put me there. He put me there in the wilderness. I'm talking about I live on a dead-end road. My nearest neighbor is a mile north of me up the road. And my mailbox stands beside his. The mailman won't even come to my house. I live so far back. My mama came up one Easter Sunday, and I knew what she was going to say. Before her foot ever hit the ground, she said, you could not pay me a million dollars to live back here like this. I said, Mom, this is what I've always wanted. This is where I've wanted to live. I'll admit it gets lonely at times. You know, at first I had to come out about every three days to see my family, to see people. Now it's gotten a lot easier just to stay up there away from everything. But I didn't realize that God placed me there. He knew. He knew that I would figure out that he was there with me. He let me know some way Jesus let me know that he was there in that house with me. And I began to talk to him. Like I said, I didn't know how to pray. I'd never prayed before. I didn't think I knew how to pray. I would talk to Jesus every day. Then I began to pray. I learned, I taught myself how to pray with Jesus. He, he showed me. And I would pray every day. I live alone, so when I do pray every day, I don't pray silently. I, I walk through my house, and I'm praying verbally. I'm praying out loud because I want to be sure God's hearing me. You know, I want to make good and sure he's hearing me. And I began to pray for forgiveness for all the things that I had done. And I began to tell Jesus that I, I finally realized, I see now that what I told you earlier which is, was in my distant past, I seen that, that he was there, that he was protecting me. So the main thing I knew that I needed out of my life at that time, I was still tampering with drugs a little bit, but not like I did when I played music. But I didn't know how to get rid of it. You know, there's a lot of people out there right now that are looked down upon that do drugs and you might think they want to do that drug. A lot of people don't want to do that drug. They just don't know how to get rid of it. They don't know how to lay it down. They need God. They need God's help. 
So I began to ask God to work in my life. I began to ask him, bless me, to bless me, to remove. To, Lord, I, you know what? The first time I prayed the prayer, I said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, I'm going to quit this possibly tomorrow. But I promise you within a week, I'm going to not be doing drugs anymore. And it hit me right then. What am I thinking? How can I say this to Jesus? Because it's nothing but a lie. I figured that out real quick. It's nothing but a lie. If I could do that, I would have quit the drugs a long time ago. Then I, I told Jesus, I said, Jesus, I can't tell you this. What am I thinking? I certainly can't lie to you. You know me better than anyone. Getting a dry mouth. Don't them preachers have people bring them a glass of water once in a while? That's okay. I'll get me a sip up there in a minute. But, uh, but, I, but I began to, you know, I prayed that, that God would, would deliver me from the drugs. And... Of course, the next day I continued on with my doings, but I prayed again. And I'd pray again the next day. And I'd pray again. And one day I went to my drugs. I went to grab my bag where I kept it. And my hand got about that close from my bag, and I just stopped. Something stopped me. All of a sudden, I had no desire. After years of use, all the desire to do that drug had left my body. And it, it shocked me. You know, I'm like, what, what's going on? I'm, I mean, this is crazy. I just thought, okay, maybe later today. And of course, it crossed my mind several times, but I never, I never did it. Next day was the same thing. I'm still not giving Jesus credit, y'all. I still don't realize what's happened. I just know I have no desire for the drugs anymore. This went on, and I told myself, if I can make it 30 days, I'm going to hang on to this. And if I can make it 30 days without any desire, I'm getting rid of this. I'm going to get rid of it. It finally dawned on me. It finally hit me. It was Jesus. It was Jesus that, that removed that desire from my life. He, he not only removed it, y'all. He not only took the desire to do drugs from my life. He gave me the ability. He placed within me the ability to be able to not even look that way again. To never, ever want to look that way again. I have no desire and I never will. God, God took that from my life. Let me tell you something. I didn't go to a, an earthly counselor. I went to the counselor. I went to the counselor. And he delivered me from that. He took it completely out of my life. And I'm so thankful to God that that happened. 
I still tampered with alcohol a little bit, not like I did in bars, but occasionally. I knew that was wrong too. I felt, I felt condemned when I did that. So, same process. Both times, both times God delivered me. And I don't even look that way. I could be, it could be all around me. I have no desire. God removed all desire. He did that. I couldn't do it myself. I would have done it long before. Time, again, let me time hop because I've had such a sinful life that I knew this was going to take a while to get through it all. Let me time hop again. God did all that for me. Jesus did this as I prayed that he would. He answered my prayers. Took me a while to realize it was him working, but when I did, it, it was hit me like a, you know, like a boxing glove. Bam. That's what's going on. It's real. Jesus is real. Jesus saves. Jesus can deliver you from anything. No matter how bad your sin is, he still loves you. Let's fast forward to not long ago, my son-in-law Bryson invited me to an event that you all held. With, I don't recall the name of the organization that put on the, out, the outdoor thing where they fed us a fish supper and, and good desserts and all that. And Bryson invited me to that. And you know what? I wasn't going to get a message of any kind. I'll tell you right now. They were giving away guns, and they had a gun that I loved. I've been wanting for a long time. If y'all want to know what it is, <laughs> it's a Savage Model 220, 20-gauge rifle slug for deer hunting. Bryson wanted it too, so where we hunt, we can only shotgun out, but we were both like, I'm going to win it. No, I'm going to win it. They gave us a card to fill out, your email, your name, address, everything about you on this card. And they kept stressing the importance throughout our meal as we fellowship. Thank you. Can you open it, sweetheart? Thank you, baby girl. Thank you, Red. Y'all don't have to keep that up. I think it's pretty. Where was I? Huh? Oh, I wanted to, I'm at the supper. Okay. We filled out, they kept stressing the point that we, we all needed to fill out this card. If you don't have a card, raise your hand. We want you to put a card in the box because that's the only way that you're going to be able to win anything is if you place your card in the box. So we filled out our cards, and I don't know who it was. I'm assuming it was a minister. He, he began, he, had, he's, he asked us all to close our eyes and bow our heads while he prayed. <clears throat> you see, I'd already developed a hunger, a strong hunger, because I'd already started realizing, as I told you, I'm realizing what God has done for me.
And I'm starting to thank God daily in prayer for what he's done for me. But he, he began to pray and he said, everyone close your eyes and bow your head. He said a pretty lengthy prayer. I listened. And at the end of his prayer, he said, okay, everyone, just keep your heads bowed and keep your eyes closed. I did. I assume everyone else did. I, w I couldn't tell you. I was, I was doing what I was asked to do. Then he asked. He said, is there anyone here tonight that wants to be saved? that needs Jesus in their life. And you see, I developed a strong want. I, I would see my daughter and I would see Brother Jake and I would see other people in the church be able to stand up and say, without any doubt in their mind, they were able to say, I'm saved. And you could tell. You know what, you can't say that unless you are because you're gonna, you're gonna feel bad about yourself. And I couldn't say that. Even though I'd been praying so hard and trying so hard to get to know Jesus because of what he had done for me, I still was unable to say, I'm saved and feel good about that. I wanted that, I had a hunger for that. So when he asked everyone to keep your eyes closed, Heads bowed. He asked if there's anyone in here who needs Jesus, who needs saved. My hand immediately went up. I wasn't a bit ashamed. I, was, I had a hunger. I had a hunger in my soul. I wanted to know that I was saved. I held my hand up. He said, okay, that's a few. That, that's good. Y'all can open your eyes now. So we all opened our eyes and they come around and gathered up. Oh, okay, first, there was some deer at the top of this card. And he said, you know, if you, if you held your hand up, if you're one of the people who held your hand up, circle, circle the deer at the top of the card. I circled the deer without hesitation. Turned the card in. I went on my way. Thought no more about it. Now we're going to fast forward a little bit again. I happened to be when the deacons put on the wonderful chili and soup. I think you were one of them. You, you were there. That was so good. I'm glad you talked me into that white chili. That was really, really good. Yes, sir. Uh, they put on such a wonderful uh, fellowship chili and soup supper. I had brought my truck down that day to have it worked on because I was convinced in my mind that that was the day of my doctor's appointment. As I said, I'm getting older. I made a mistake, but God didn't. God planned all this out. I took my truck down to have it worked on have a water pump installed. And while, while you're at it, go ahead and put a thermostat in there, right? JR, that's a good idea. He said he would. 
I said, now I have to have this truck. I live in Smithfield. I have to have my truck back to get back home today. He said, no problem. This won't take long. I sat all day at the restaurant with my daughter watching her work. No call. No truck. No word. She began to ask me, Dad, are you going to call about your truck? I mean, aren't you concerned about your truck? For some reason, I really wasn't, you know. Know now why. But after a while, I went, I went ahead and went home with Monica. And after a while, I did call. I called about it. And he said that, you know, what should have been the hardest part of that job, putting the water pump on, ended up being the easiest part. He said, but when we went to change that thermostat, a bolt broke off. We broke a bolt off. And guys, some of you girls may even know. You're shaking your head. You know. You know how many hours it can take you a lot of times to get a bolt out that, that's been sheared off. It took him like four additional hours. Well, guess what that did? It was on that Wednesday night. I never planned to go to that that chili, uh, the, what the deacons had put on your, your chili fellowship dinner together. But Monica said, Dad, it's time for me to go. She said, are you going to stay here or do you want to go with me? I already had my mind made up long before that. I was going. Or Jesus did. I sat down at the table with my son-in-law and my son. A cousin of mine showed up that I hadn't seen in years. It sat on my left side. We had great fellowship, didn't we, Josh? Christ. It was wonderful. Only thing, I didn't win the gun. But I got something much better. After I finished my meal, I felt the desire to give something back to the deacons. And I'll tell you right now, I don't have a lot. You can probably tell by this one pair of pants that I own. I'm not a rich man. But I had a $20 bill. You know, that's not much money. But in my mind, I thought, it's something. It's something I can give back. Maybe it'll make a pot of chili. That'll feed a few people. So I wanted to donate this $20 to the deacons for their next bill that they're going to put on. And I began to look over at the deacons, and I'm wondering, who in the world would I go to? There has to be one of them that's in charge of this thing where, that I can talk to. I couldn't see, I didn't, you know, I seen uh, someone who I don't see here today who has prayed for me so hard and I'm thankful if you see him, thank you for me. That's Ray Stone, Miss Mary's son, good friend of mine. He's prayed so hard for this and he couldn't be here today to see it. So to let him know what I said, please, JR. I'm thankful for his prayer. But I, again, remind me where I was. You're my backup, young man. At the Chili Supper. Okay, let me think. Where was I? I was at the Chili Supper. Oh, and I was looking for that main deacon so I could donate that $20, which, like I said, is not a lot of money. But, y'all, there's a lot of times I don't have $20 in my pocket. 
but that's okay. It was worth it to me. I felt it. I felt it. I know why now. I know why. I looked to my right, and there stood Brother Jake standing there. I said, well, golly, I'll just go to him. He'll know who to give this to. So I walked over to Brother Jake, and I said, Brother Jake, who, why in the world I was asking this question, I don't know. I began to ask him, who would I see? Who, who is over the deacons? Who would I talk to in order to give? To do, you know, I didn't tell him to do it. I hadn't mentioned the 20 yet. Who would I talk to? And he started trying to explain, and it hit me. I said, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Here, take this $20 bill. I would like to donate this to the deacons. It won't do much, but maybe, I think I even said, maybe it'll make a pot of chili or a pot of soup, and it'll help out a little bit, and it'll feed a few people. At that time, Brother Jake said to me, Chuck, when will you be back in town? Folks, it's been years since I've come to town two days in a row. But because I got confused on the day that I had set up an appointment to have my truck worked on and my doctor's appointment, I said to Brother Jake, well, I'll be back tomorrow. He said, do you think you'd like to, would you be able to, for me to sit down and and read a couple of short scriptures to you and just have a short conversation, you know, like they'll all do to get you. He, and it worked, I, you know, I, did, I didn't care at that point. Like I said, I'm hungry, y'all. I was hungry. I would have told him yes if he'd have said they were gonna be long. He just didn't know that at that time. So the next day, I'll admit when I went home, it left my mind. I never thought about it all the next morning. I went to my doctor's appointment and just as I was leaving my doctor's appointment, I got a text from Brother Jake and it said, Chuck, I'm so sorry. I got tied up this morning. I got very busy, in other words, with somebody, something that was going on. And he said, are you still in town? And I said, Yes, I'm still in town, Brother Jake. I just, I just left my doctor's appointment and I'm heading for my mom's restaurant. He said, would it be okay if I come over there and, and talk to you? I'm almost there, y'all. He said, would it be okay if I come over there and talk to you, meet you at your mom's restaurant? I said, it'd be more than okay. Yes, please do. He came over, he came in carrying his Bible. Of course, we did the typical chit-chat you do before you get into your conversation. I'm not sure just who did start the conversation, but I know I jumped up there pretty quick and turned around to him, and I, I began to tell him everything, basically every time I've, everything I've told y'all here today. He read me the scriptures, and he I could still see his finger going along below him as he read them. He wanted to be sure I was seeing them. I can't see that well. Fortunately, there was a pair of reading glasses there, so I put them on and I read them, and I understood the scriptures that he read. At the end of it all, the last thing that was said, he kind of slumped down in the chair beside me and leaned forward 
And he said, Chuck, he said, you know, I believe you know God. I believe you're on the right track. But he said, you say you want to be able to say and know and feel, you want to know that you're, you're saved. You want to be able to say that. And I said, yes, I do. That's, what, that's my desire. And he told me something that day that I would have never thought of on my own. That's why we need other people. He said to me, maybe you're at a point. I think you're okay, like I said earlier. I believe you know God. But he said, maybe, just maybe, you're at a point that you need to go to God, go to Jesus, and ask him. Jesus is where you go to get saved because Jesus is the only way to the Father through Jesus. When you go to Jesus, ask Jesus, what would you have me do now? What would you have me do now? Just ask him. I'd never thought of that. I'd never even imagined that. I went on home. I'm thankful for that day, by the way, because it did change my life. I went on home. And about 10 o'clock that night, the urge to pray hit me so hard. I know y'all have felt it if you're sitting in this room. Thank God I'm beginning to feel it now. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. The urge to pray hit me hard. I wanted to pray harder than I had ever prayed in my entire life. I felt, I felt Jesus right there with me. I wanted to pray so bad. I began to pray and I realized, hold on, wait a minute. The TV's on. That's distracting me. I don't want any distractions. I want this to be my prayer. This is going to be the prayer of my life for my life. I hit the mute button. The house got silent. I bowed my head. I closed my eyes. I raised my hands right there on my couch in my living room. And I started praying to God. And I prayed, and I said, or Jesus, I said, Jesus, Lord Jesus, I come to you, and I could picture myself knelt down at his feet with my eyes closed. That's where I felt like I was. And I said, I come to you. I come to you, Lord, with an, an, an empty heart. I come to you because I want to know, Lord, that I've been saved. Lord Jesus, today, right now, right now, in this, in this second, in this moment, Lord, I turn away from all darkness, and I come to your light. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you. I need to know that I have been saved. I want to be able to stand up and say, I've been saved. And I wanted to be able to say it and without feeling like I really wasn't. That's what I wanted. I wanted it. I wanted it. God gave that to me that night. Right there in my living room, I know I was saved.
by God. I didn't know I was saved right after I said those words, which I was. I had no clue, but it came to my mind what Brother Jake had said to me earlier that day. And I said, Lord Jesus, what is left undone? What would you have me do, Lord? What would you have me do? You guys, all my life, I have heard people talk about God spoke to me. I never, I never knew what they were talking about. But I'm going to tell you right now, without any doubt in my mind, the Lord Jesus Christ said four words to me. He might as well have written them down. It was so vividly clear when he said this to me. He said four words. He said, go and be baptized. That's what he said. The word baptism had not been in my mind, had not been said around me for, I could not tell you the last time I even heard the word baptism. So I know it's not something, I tried to convince myself, I've manifested this, you know, this came out of my head. This can't be, this can't be, and God would reassure me. You have my answer. You have my answer. I felt so, it weighed down heavy on my heart. I knew that I had to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ because he had just saved me and now he had convicted me or he had put this on me so heavy that that's what he wanted. That was my next move. You know what? It, it all comes together now. Like I said, as I look back, I see that I've been up there on that, on that hill by myself or with God, with Jesus all this time. And he's been working on me. And it all, it all started coming together. And it, it scared me. I want to tell you, it scared me. I know that my eyes come open. I remember that. I don't think I even said amen. My eyes opened and I, I thought, did I just hear what I thought I heard? God reassured me, you've got your answer. He told me, he did. So I'm here today, I'm here today to tell every ear that can hear me and for every eye that is about to witness the wonderful gift of baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, something I never in my lifetime thought I would do and I'm nearly 62 years old. I've never been baptized. Today's the day. But it's not about me. Let's get, that, let's get that straight. None of this is about me. All the glory goes to God. All the glory goes to God. We all need God. The reason I told all those filthy, nasty, sinful things on myself is hope, hopefully someone heard that that might need to hear it or they can pass it on, that it doesn't matter 
It doesn't matter how sin-filled your life is. The Lord knew when I went home to my mama's house and the shape I was in with my veins full of alcohol and drug, a combination of drugs and alcohol, he got me there safely and he knew I was going to do it that next night. But he loved me enough that he continued to watch over me and he got me through all those things and thank God he brought me to where I am today. And thank you to all my friends out here. Thanks to Bryson for inviting me to the supper. Thanks to the mechanic for breaking, God for breaking the bowl top. Thanks for, thanks for the chili supper that had played a part in this. Thank you to Brother Jake for all the encouragement and, 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 and being there for me and being right by my side. I know he loves me as a brother and I love him back. I hope with all my heart that I have said today, I've prayed hard and I hope I've said what God wanted me to say. I really do. You know, it, it says, it says that he will, as I said, he will give you the words. I hope he's done that. I th I, well, I know he has, it was in scripture. But Brother Jake, I'm ready to receive the blessing of baptism. Amen. Amen. The Lord's done a work in Chuck's life. Amen. You guys can be seated. This is my first baby step. I can't wait to see what That's right. Did you hear that? This is the first baby step. But God's going to keep working. Yeah. So I tell you what, we're going to get ready up in the upstairs, and I'm going to baptize him in just a moment. But as we're getting ready upstairs, here's what I want to ask somebody to do. Okay. I want to ask somebody who's willing while we're getting ready in the baptistry to just walk up here to, to the pulpit and read through John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. I've got it printed out right here. You can read it. If you can say Nicodemus, that's the hardest word, I think, in the whole passage to say. Chuck, Chuck can say Nicodemus, so we're good. Before I read, let's thank our Lord again, shall we? This is John 3, 1 through 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb 
and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen. You do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may clearly be seen, that they have been done in God. May God bless his reading. Amen. You guys have heard Chuck's testimony. We praise God that he's come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Chuck, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Absolutely. Amen. Chuck, have you named Jesus the Lord of your life? I have. Amen. Chuck, because you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again, and because you have named him Lord of your life, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in a new life. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And Father God, we pray that you would continue to be with Chuck. God, we thank you that he's taken this step of obedience, following you. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would continue to do a great work in his life and through his life. May more people come to know Jesus as a result of him sharing his testimony today and as a result of the way that he will follow you in the future. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And everybody said, Amen.